And when we practice in meditation, then we learn how to apply that to whatever it is that we're doing. That's what I love about it is practicing focus in meditation and then applying that same focus to painting or anything physical that we're doing. The more that we can put our attention 100% onto what we're doing, the better it's going, going to be. Yeah. And so that seems to be the key to everything. So if we can learn to do it in the peaceful, quiet meditation, then we can apply it even to, say, somebody that is criticizing us or being rude to us or somebody cuts you off in traffic. Hmm. You have that space to, all right, I've practiced calmness in the peace. Can I have calmness when it's not peaceful? Can I have calmness when somebody is yelling at me or somebody is saying something to me that's not true or you know, things like that? And we learn that's a superpower that you can have that the, most people on the planet don't have that ability to just be able to be calm and centered. And that is, I, I feel like that's what, you know, we see the example of a Jedi in the midst of anything. They're always calm. Yeah. They lose that center, that balance, and they're prone to fear. That's where the dark side can, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And that's kind of like a, the, a cornerstone of self-defense in my perspective, where if you don't, have that internal peace and there's chaos coming at you, you're going to escalate a situation. Welcome to the Unlimited You podcast. Believing firmly in the limitless potential that resides within each individual, your host, Master Victor Almeida, a distinguished martial arts expert, is here to guide you in unlocking your inner power. Each episode offers practical knowledge, from strength training techniques to the calming practices of meditation tailored to enhance your physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. Join us on this empowering journey and embrace the warrior that lies within you. And welcome everybody to another episode of The Unlimited You. Today we have Pale Horse here, and we're gonna talk about meditation, the power of meditation that it has in your life, in martial arts, and you know, that transcends and touches everybody else around us. First, we'll start with, you know, introducing Pale Horse. He's a wonderful artist, great meditation teacher. I met Pale Horse here in St. Petersburg at Roots to Crown, where he leads a meditation class on Wednesdays. If you're ever in St. Petersburg, I highly recommend it. It is absolutely transformational. If you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in meditation, your artwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thanks for having me. Look, happy to be here and to share. I've been making artwork professionally for over 20 years now. And for most of my career, I've been a, I've been a commercial illustrator, creating artwork for brands and entertainment companies and bands and skateboard brands and you know, action sports and things like that. And in 2020, I made the the decision to, like a lot of us over the lockdown period, are really kind of questioning, you know, what is my life's true purpose? What am I really meant to be doing? And I made this, the decision then to let go of my clients and my agent that I had in New York and to really make the leap into pursuing creating sacred art and continuing to 
provide meditation offerings. Mm. And my life now consists of how to fig, you know, figuring out how to do that while still earning a living, which is an interesting place to be. I've worked for a lot of brands over the years, National Geographic and Nike and Mini Cooper and WWE and Live Nation, things like that. And a lot of action sports companies as well, t-shirts. I was doing a lot of apparel design for a lot of brands as well. And then I also made my own shirts. Yeah. yeah, so I have apparel that I make for my own brand now called Seekers of the Eternal, which is also what I call the meditation group and the podcasts that I host now. And I work with my brother. We paint murals as well. So and the work that we do is really now focused around deities. Mm-hmm. We love tuning with deities, focusing on deities, creating the artwork, and then being able to spend time in the presence of a deity and really get into the, the Sanskrit word is the bhav or bhavana of a deity. Mm-hmm. To feel as if that spirit or that presence is there with you, guiding you, flowing through you as you're creating the work and it allows us to do things that we didn't think we were capable of. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and being able to take on projects that are, are bigger than or things that we haven't quite mastered yet, but being able to connect with it. And, and we chant mantras while we paint and focus really deeply. So when we're painting murals, it's usually you know, we'll paint for 12 hours a day. We'll do energization exercises to recharge. And it's usually a real marathon when we're painting murals. And we really love that because we get to focus really strongly on the work that we're doing, as well as the, the paintings that we do for gallery shows. Is What we're aiming at now with the paintings and the artwork is that if is it's the energy that we have while we're putting down the paint, mm-hmm. while the paint is going on to the piece. Mm-hmm. It's about the consciousness that we're, we have while that's happening and the connection to spirit that we have. So what we say is if you're in a calm place and you're enjoying watching that paint go onto the canvas and you're not in a place where you're doubting yourself where you're thinking about other things. Of course, those come in, it's a practice, but it always like returning and just like meditation, yeah. keeping the mind focused and yeah, watching the strokes go onto it. And the, the artwork that we do, has a, it's a lot of just the solid line work and fills. So we try to paint things that are really clean and detailed and really solid that way. So yeah, that's what we're doing now. And also, you know, we can get into other aspects of uh, the project that I'm working on now is around the monkey deity Hanuman. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I became obsessed with Hanuman. It's been a growing obsession (laughs) that started about 20 years ago when I first saw the monkey deity in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I had ever seen sacred art in person really even thought about things like that it was a atheist metalhead skateboarder <laughs> you know and you saw this artwork at a temple right yeah yeah temples in thailand there's a temple in thailand called the grand palace mm. and 
it has obviously a, a longer Thai name, but the Grand Palace, and then there's a temple in the center. But there's in, in that space, there is a mural that wraps around the entire perimeter. Wow. And it tells the story of the monkey deity Hanuman and Rama and Sita. And it's a story of a ten-headed demon king and a monkey and bear army that rescues a princess. And the monkey has superpowers. You know, so when I went there, I was not interested in spiritual things. I was just sightseeing. I had a friend that, would, that was going there. And when I saw that, it just cracked something open. It sparked something in me that really transformed me. I, was, I went to school for graphic design. And at that time, I was working at a design studio. And when I went to Thailand, I, something shifted in my mind where I, you know, when I came, I was buying a bunch of books on, on Thai art when I was there and got so interested in the sacred art there. And then when I came back, I started drawing those images and wanting to pursue that more. But I wasn't, I didn't know anything really about the spiritual aspect of it, the meditation side of it. Yeah. And it just planted seeds in me that that grew and grew over time. And now it's, I feel like I'm finally ready to take on a big project around Hanuman right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. so initial style and depiction of it kind of drew you in. And then later the depth of it got you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the beautiful. aesthetics, you know, and that, that's what I'm, I feel like my, maybe my artwork, the thing that I'm doing with it is one, I want to, the theme really is around the power of storytelling and how mm. powerful that can be for our lives to see. And then a story like the Ramayana, which is the epic of the, the monkey deity, is that with these ancient stories of these heroes, of these uh, deities that you know take form, take birth as these uh, incarnations here on earth, they are like perfect examples of how to respond to various situations that come to us in life. Mm -hmm. And so having this like epic story like that and being able to use that as a guidepost, like an esoteric story. I think maybe like this idea of like esoteric, I heard somebody say that one way to think about esoteric, you could think of Karate Kid, which is an interesting way, you know, like with Karate Kid when he's with, Miss, you know, Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> he just, he's going there to learn martial arts, but then he's just painting the fence uh -huh. and waxing the car. And then he doesn't know why he's doing it. He's just doing it because he was told to do it. And all of a sudden somebody goes to punch him and then he knows how to block. And that's really how esoteric wisdom works when you're reading this book. It's just this phantasmic, mystical hero's journey book. It's very similar to like Star Wars or something like this. Mm -hmm. And you can read it just as entertainment. And then all of a sudden something happens to you in your life. And then it triggers a memory of something you read in that book of how to properly respond in the moment. And yeah. I feel like that is really something the power of storytelling can do. And so I want to, with my artwork, is to help turn people on to also metaphor. Hmm. So this idea of that you can... You know, a lot of people at first maybe were like metaphorically impaired. <laughs> we don't, you know, you don't see that there's even a way to take the story and use it in your life. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because there's so much depth in it. And 
when as humans, I feel like we learn through stories where if you can really pay attention to it and understand it, you learn that lesson without having to experience it yourself and then you mm -hmm. can apply it rather than, you know, going through that suffering yourself, you get to put yourself in their shoes and learn through the story. Mm -hmm. I feel like those are where those metaphors and that storytelling can really benefit us in in attaining wisdom that we haven't lived through essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, and I love that way of that. I like, I love learning like that. And I love stories and novels and, you know, movies, epic things like that. And so for me, being able to use artwork to help bring people into this spiritual understanding in the same way that it worked on me, who was, had zero interest in these things, but it was the aesthetics. Yes. It was like this really juicy, amazing story. Mm -hmm. And then slowly it like wears down the hangups that you have around, oh, this is religion or this is something that I don't like or whatever it is. I feel like stories and art can help loosen us up and yeah. help us to see things in a new way and be, it's like, actually, I like to think about also like religion. Like if you think about what is religion really? Hmm. It's artwork. Hmm epic stories, it's music, it's fashion, you know? So like all of the things that make up our high forms of art, really poetry and the same thing, is really what religion is. And then if that artwork is being made by a fully awakened being, then it lasts through thousands of years it never dies it keeps getting told over and over There's that intention that charged energy in it just because you're saying where you're you're chanting while you're painting you're putting that energy into each stroke and that gives it that power essentially mm -hmm. and with that in the combination of for example ganesh you're drawing this divine entity with that intention and that collectively empowers that message and charges everything even more. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. the ideal with it. And then for my brother and I, as we're making the work, it's a way to, I heard uh, my friend Chris Dyer is an artist. He said, I make artwork to cooperate with my own soul's awakening, with my soul's awakening. And I didn't have the, the way to put that into words, and I really like the way that he said that. It was like we're cooperating with our soul's awakening, so mm -hmm. allowing, as I get more into my spiritual practice, sometimes you think like, oh, what's the point of making art anymore? Before it was like a career, and I'm wanting to boost my name, and I wanted to get you know this recognition and fame and whatever it is the, that artists are doing but transforming it into one where now I'm doing this as a way to cooperate with the awakening process that's yes. happening. And yes. now it's yeah moving into that kind of way of making work. It's like a, a reflection or even an expression, the, that creation of the artwork. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really interesting. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like how, what got pointed you in the direction of meditation was Hanuman in Thailand. That's amazing. And then like from there, what kind of got you to look into meditation further? Like what led you to essentially Kriya Yoga and Ananda Village? Mm -hmm. It was, for me, the big catalyst was psilocybin mushrooms. Mm. And it was podcasts 
that mm. got me interested in mushrooms. You yeah. Know? I think you go back to the, I, you know, I, back then it was Joe Rogan podcast. I don't listen to it now. I don't know where he's at now, but yeah. he was such a gateway to so many yeah. things. So I remember I was tuned in live to the JRE podcast episode number one before it was like they even knew what they were doing, them, you yeah. know? Yeah. And he was just talking about ancient civilizations and Sasquatch and anomalies and all this kind of stuff and strange scientific fringe science. And I loved that sort of thing. And then he started talking and I was straight edge as well. Like I grew up straight edge, was in like straight edge punk bands, hardcore bands, things like that mm -hmm. was, you know, not drinking or doing drugs and things like that. But I started hearing him talk about the benefits of psychedelic medicine as a way to improve your life. And yeah. so that really stuck out to me and yeah. so I became interested. It was so funny is like, as soon as I became interested in that, then somebody shows up and says, you know, you want some mushrooms and you're like, oh, cool, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was starting to find psilocybin and that really, that cracked me open and broke my rules that I had about religion, what I thought religion was, what I thought meditation was. Hmm. And I found myself just going, oh, like I, now I know what meditation is. And I started seeing just, I don't know where it was coming from, but just visions of images of Ganesha or these deities. And I didn't even know who they were at the time, but I was just seeing those in visions. Yeah, and then becoming interested in reading scriptures from there. Yeah. It wasn't until mushrooms that I actually read the Ramayana. You know, it was, I was interested in it aesthetically and then eventually I was like, okay, I'm ready to read this. Yeah. And so I started reading that and the Bhagavad Gita. And there's yeah a few of the, my favorite scriptures. The Tibetan Book of the Dead was a, a really powerful one for me. Okay. Yeah. And, I haven't read that one. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, it's the Tibetan Book of the Dead is beautiful, especially for psychonauts. Okay. Because it's the Bardo states, which you can really correlate to a psychedelic journey. Okay. The bardo, the phases of the after death state mm -hmm. is what the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead is. Okay. So you find yourself in the after death, moment after death, mm -hmm. and everybody goes through these bardos, these phases of yeah. their after death state. And you compare those, actually Ram Dass and Timothy Leary was Richard Alpert before he was Ram Dass. Mm -hmm. Him and Timothy Leary wrote a book called the psychedelic experience, hmm. which is a trip guide that was based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Okay. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So I started using that in my psychedelic journeys and getting really in, into the Tibetan Book of the Dead and reading the Ramayana. And yeah, that was my like introduction into uh, and you know, really the first the it started out too, like I wasn't so comfortable with God at all yeah even the words <laughs> i know a lot of people are very uncomfortable i have a lot of friends who you they'll hear that word and they're like yeah, because of what religion has done to the word and the meaning to it to a lot of people is very traumatizing yeah yeah so at first i was looking for people who were doing meditate you know mindfulness meditations or people that would do things that didn't include god in it and then after a while it just became silly not to yeah include that and, and, you know, the way that I feel like we look at it, God to us is the universe, 
everything that exists, right? The collective whole that is everything from this table to you, me, the galaxies three billion light years away, like all of that vibration, the energy, the matter, all of that is God. Mm -hmm. And the I feel like the goal in our meditation is to bring our awareness so that we realize that we are all of that while being here in this very moment mm -hmm. and attaining that awareness and like the depiction of God being like some dude who controls and points things I feel like become very diluted and can lead people astray but when we I guess when we really look at the source of it where the divine energy of everything collectively that omnipresence of the universe is us is you is everybody watching that when we attune to that vibration when we surrender to it such it ananda that ever loving ever new bliss that is that's god yeah and the psychedelic experience can give us glimpses of that and so that was it was like okay yeah you hear these things like we're all one and you can hear that and not know what it means like oh that sounds nice but then when you actually experience that and you feel yourself as the infinite universe then it's like okay I'm interested in this. I mm -hmm. want to practice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and, it, and then it starts as, you know, something that you're interested in and you maybe start meditating once a week and then now you're doing it twice a week and then three times a week and then over time. I, I remember it was in 2018, I believe, when I just made the decision that I was going to meditate every day, like, you know, New Year's resolution. Right? Yeah. I'm going to meditate every day for the rest of my life. And that's such a crucial moment in somebody's life where I think everything just starts to change for yeah. you when that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, that was last year, probably a little bit after this time, maybe like April, March, April. Yeah. After we had started doing meditation with you, we took the... Ananda Village course, me and Caroline, and we just started to see this very slow but very powerful change in our lives. And we, want, we, we started feeling that pull, I want to meditate more and longer and start really applying it into our lives. And it's been, I never want to go back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, with hosting those meditations, I always hope to find somebody like you that, you know, gets interested in it, gets a taste of it. And then it's like, all right, well, it turns it on for you. And then yeah. you take the course. And that's so nice too, is to, I think, meet somebody that introduces you to like a teacher mm. and then having, all right, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm aiming at. It's very clear. It's not so nebulous anymore. And, and for a long time, obviously for many people, you dabble in things for a long time. And so I always hope that like maybe I can help people get there a little faster than I did. Yeah. You know, as like, all right, I've tried all of these things. This is the one that I really like. And then maybe it'll resonate with you. Yeah. And then this is a group that is like, they're pure, just in it for helping you to realize mm -hmm. your own true potential. And so to be able to turn people on, that's like, 
it's yeah it's music to my ears yeah. i love that so yeah i'm yeah. super stoked that you know that it's caught fire for you absolutely mm -hmm. yeah, my first experience meditating was probably in college my roommate in college nathan he'd been meditating since he was a kid like his dad took him to meditation school taught him like how to meditate i don't necessarily know what technique or what exactly he did but he kind of got me into you know the basics the fundamentals of meditation but it's very different than the way we do it it didn't the way i feel like we do it with kriya and with hung sa there's these steps to prepare the body the mind and then it gives you a concentration point to then focus and it allows the relaxation and the concentration to both happen at the same time mm -hmm. which then transcends the awareness and where before uh, the different types of meditation that were they were very powerful but it didn't prepare you in the same way and allow that i guess all of these different things from i guess mindfulness zen and transcend transcendence mm -hmm. to occur mm -hmm. they may be targeted one and when we meditated on your Wednesday class, it felt like the surrender allowed the divine energy to then lead me forward, where I took a step, and I think you mentioned this yesterday, and you take 25%, your guru takes 25%, and then the divine energy pulls you the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. And I truly felt that first time we meditated with you. Mm -hmm. And it gave me that, that sense of like, this is... This feels like the right way to do it. And I know that it's going to take me further than the ways I've done it in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same how it was for me when I first learned this practice specifically. Mm -hmm. And finding the way that I found this path specifically with Yogananda and the Kriya Yoga masters. And for everybody listening, the Kriya Yoga is an ancient technique for becoming an energy master. Mm mastering the life force energy and as you if you as you become a master of kriya yoga the great masters of, of kriya actually we learn you know this is what we're practicing to to get to a state where you can move you can put your body into a what's known as a, a state of suspended animation where you no longer the energy is going out to your limbs you're the cosmic energy is coming in through the medulla and then you just send it straight here and put all of your consciousness there. And after you, know, after you, you finish your Kriya Yoga practice and you're just super focused right here, also Hong Sa, which uh, we practice on Wednesdays, is this uh, a way to practice for your own death. And you can actually get to a place where you're, you die every day. Like mm. even in the Bible, it talks about this. I die every day is one of the scriptural mm. passages and a clue to this, that we can learn how to turn off all of the energy that's going out to the body. Mm. And the masters can actually stop breathing. They can stop their hearts mm. from pumping blood. And you experience the same experience that you would in an after-death state. So you get very comfortable with that. So then when you do find yourself You're fully leaving the body, you've just been doing it every night. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you make a shirt that actually says that it's a practice dying. Mm -hmm. And that practice gets you ready. So when it comes, you're not freaked out. You're not scared. You know exactly what to do, that surrender, that calmness. 
you've instilled the bliss that then you're, you're ready for it. And I feel like that it becomes beautiful and not scary. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Swami Kriyananda has a phrase in one of his writings that says, fear not, peace awaits you in the unknown. Mm. <laughs> so we become afraid of leaving the known physical world and moving into that unknown spiritual realm where anything is possible and we yeah. can put on the brakes. He also has this metaphor of, say, a bird that's been in a cage for years. And if you'd open the, you open the door to that cage, the bird's not going to fly out. It's mm -hmm. going to stay inside that cage. Mm -hmm. So that's very similar to us. You could, the door is not locked. We were, it's like we're trapped inside this prison with the door isn't even locked. Mm -hmm. It's wide open, but we're afraid to even step out beyond what we know to experience this unknown. Even if we're in a, even if we're suffering in our life, we could still be afraid to break free from that. And they say that yeah. the bird, maybe it'll get, maybe it'll get some courage after a while, seeing the door is open, fly out, and then it'll get freaked out and come back in. That's like that idea when we get like a moment of, of that focused meditation. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, oh, wow. And then we fly back in, you know, mm -hmm. we don't stay there. And then maybe you fly out again and then you realize, oh, it's okay out here. So stay out a little longer, come in. And then eventually you just leave the cage and you're free or yeah. good. You don't, need to, you don't need to come back to your prison. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the way I see that's kind of like the, the prison is the ego that we construct throughout our lives to I mean, survive, in a sense, is why it's there. But eventually, we identify as that ego. We think we're that ego, and that becomes our cage. And we forget, just like Hanuman, that we are these divine beings with unlimited potential. And once we remember and bring our awareness to realize, oh, hey, I'm not this cage. I have, I'm limitless. My, my body is not who I am. I am the everything. Right? And once we realize that, the, our potential becomes unlocked, the physical, mental, every, everything. And I felt that very recently, and it felt beautiful. And, and just like that bird, I got a glimpse of it, and it was very hard to hold. Mm -hmm. It was very powerful, and I felt like I came right back. And I feel like through meditating, the more you do it, the more used to holding that energy and holding that space you get. And eventually that's kind of the goal is you know where we have where we prepare the body we prepare the mind to allow that spirit to flow through and you know the more we do it the better we get at doing it mm -hmm. the less scared the more surrender the more focused and the more relaxation we can instill in our body and we can carry that outside of the meditation and i feel like that's really the goal where you know some people think that you know you're just meditating whatever you do it's a kind of meditation i feel like mm -hmm. you know, like i can meditate while i'm blowing glass or doing martial arts but i feel like very intentional meditation when you sit still everything still the mind relax the body and concentrate everything razor laser sharp that something happens that it's very hard to put words to it that that feeling when you experience it, it it changes you. 
it, it makes you want to seek it more. Mm-hmm. And the more you seek it, the more you do it, the more powerful it gets. Mm-hmm. And then it starts transforming your entire life, everything around you. And it starts pulling the things you need, creating things you need out of surrender, surrendering to yourself or your energy and allowing that to, to guide you rather than that ego, that thought, that mind you've trained that sometimes will put fear into your thoughts or jealousy and then lead you astray from that surrender. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. And when we practice in meditation, then we learn how to apply that to whatever it is that we're doing. That's what I love about it is practicing focus in meditation and then applying that same focus to painting or anything physical that we're doing. The more that we can put our attention 100% onto what we're doing, the better it's going to be. Yeah. And so that seems to be the key to everything. So if we can learn to do it in the peaceful, quiet meditation, then we can apply it even to say somebody that is criticizing us or being rude to us or somebody cuts you off in traffic. Mm. You have that space to, all right, I've practiced calmness in the peace. Can I have calmness when it's not peaceful? Can I have calmness when somebody is yelling at me or somebody is saying something to me that's not true or you know, things like that? And we learned that's a superpower that you can have that the most people on the planet don't have that ability to just be able to be calm and centered. And that is, I, I feel like that's what, you know, we see the example of a Jedi in the midst of anything. They're always calm. Yeah. They lose that center, that balance, and they're prone to fear. That's where the dark side can, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And that's kind of like the, the, a cornerstone of, self-defense in my perspective where if you don't have that internal peace and there's chaos coming at you you're going to escalate a situation something's gonna get reflected back you know you identify with their feelings and then it just elevates the situation where if we can like you're always saying in the meditation stay calm even in the midst of breaking worlds mm-hmm. during the most chaotic moments to remain calm. It's beyond hard to do, mm-hmm. but that practice, it, it allows you to handle any situation better and more purely rather than being compromised by the emotions. You're, it's more pure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes life a practice, you know, it's like, oh, all right, I didn't get it that time. I gave into, you know, I got caught off guard and in life will test you. It's like, as soon as you think you got it down, it's going right. to hit you with something that like tests you in a new way. And then also when life challenges come and something really tricky hits you, I like to even now is be like, oh, I'm, I, when I'm in, in my center, things like this happen, it's like, you know, we talk about like the universe as our mother. Mm-hmm. It's only giving you things that are good for you, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't look like it's good for you. And she yeah. only gives you things that she trusts you with. Like, you can handle this, son. <laughs> I'm going to give you this thing that's really hard, but it's going to actually be in your benefit. Mm-hmm. And so I like to have a practice too of like, thank you for thinking that I could handle that, <laughs> you yeah. know, when it's really tough. Yeah. 
and then stepping up to the challenge of it. And then that way, everything in life becomes like a game. We know that we have what it takes. So we know that there's a, we, it's not up to us. We can put our trust into something outside of us that to thing. guide us. Yeah. 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 So that we don't have to ever be afraid of a situation. It's like, okay, my divine mother thinks I can handle this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tune into my center and, and seek for, if I stay calm, I know that guidance will come to me. Mm-hmm. And so life will just actually keep throwing you harder and harder challenges yes. like a video game. Yeah. And they're just like, all right, this is what I signed up for. And it just rather than being like, this shouldn't be happening, this shouldn't be happening. And then you know, just letting it spiral and, and turning to something negative. It defeats you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for a, a good example was, you know, this past weekend we were at Loveburn. I had a great time. And then Sunday came around, I think 11 a.m. Large rainstorm. It, it rained mm-hmm. for, I think, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. We got this much rain on the ground up to yeah. our ankles. There was canopies flying all over the place and you know i was looking at it like you know this is like a movie right now mm-hmm. this is hilarious it, it, it sucks but this is hilarious <laughs> you got canopies flying over here everyone's walking in like three feet of water yeah it was madness but it, was, it made the situation beautiful to remove myself and say this is only temporary we can handle this you know it's not the end of the world and you know it was kind of it was a little it was a little fun (laughs) if we approached it the right way if you looked at it the right way so you can turn the worst situation into maybe something fun (laughs) and enjoyable and bring about that bliss into the harshest moments (laughs) where you know it's allowing you to that, that calmness not to freak out and not resisting the the surrender and knowing that you will be able to handle, you will be able to do the right thing. And the freaking out is that, that, that fear, the ego, we're afraid of something that isn't even here yet, that may not even happen. But in this moment, if we're calm, mm-hmm. we're gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like what is right in front of you in the moment, mm-hmm. do your best stay even-minded and cheerful mm-hmm. then it's it you're fun to be around you know like if you're around other people that are like all right whatever happens we're gonna enjoy it as much as yeah. possible and we're gonna do our best and you know let it all be okay yeah i love being around people like that I and mean, when you you know if you're you know joining up with a team to collaborate with like make that your code when you start mm-hmm. like whatever happens like my brother and I when we paint together that's our mantra of like when we're doing something if something goes wrong it's like oh we don't look at it as wrong it's like something better is looking to happen here mm-hmm. or this is happening for a good reason that I don't know quite yet mm-hmm. and you just don't even get down about it or upset about it and obviously bigger and bigger things hit you and you know you don't always get it right but if you start with that and you have other an environment of other friends that also like looking at life like yeah Yeah. it's so much easier when you're around that's why i think like community is so important Mm -hmm. getting around an environment of others that also like to share this way of of living and 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 enjoying life and yogananda talks about 
life as a movie. We should look at our lives as a movie.、Mm-hmm. And that, if you think about the kind of movies that you like to watch, you know, especially like if you like watching martial arts videos or you like movies or whatever, or like an epic story, it's always wrought with. Uh, terrible tragedy, violence, and action, and ups and downs, and sadness, and sweetness, and, and excitement, and happy. And it's like that's what life is, and that's what we, you know, if you had a movie that didn't have any of those things, it would be super boring, and you wouldn't ever watch movies. Yeah. So yeah. Apparently, that's what humans like is change, and I think it also applies to. Where we're headed in this world that we're in right now—it's one that's changing so rapidly.、Mm-hmm. So many jobs are becoming displaced、mm-hmm. by technology, and there's just uncertainty around the economy and what are where things are going and coming wars and all of this. It can be so. It could be you know if we look at it in the same way that you approach being at a festival and it starts raining. You can, as we practice meditation, it can be training for the apocalypse. You know, it can be training for whatever comes. You know, like when you say, like you should be preparing for whatever happens. I don't think it means making a bunker necessarily. Maybe, I mean, it's it's good to be prepared for whatever, have food or things like that, if, in case you need it. But I'm preparing your mind, yes, so that you can draw to yourself what you need when you need it. Exactly. So you can stay calm no matter what happens, and then in and making a, a symbiotic relationship in the times now,、mm-hmm. making a symbiotic relationship with the universe around you, yeah, trusting that it's here to. Always, what's happening is here to help you become the best version of yourself. And、Absolutely. I think that's the best prepping that we can do for whatever comes. You know. Yeah. Because、mm-hmm. that's the one thing you can't get rid of. Like we we have this body to use to achieve our life goal, our dharma, right? And oftentimes, our biggest obstacles become ourselves. Where you know whatever we've dealt with in our life. Has trained our brain to think a specific way. There's these new scientific research that I've been looking into, where meditation has been proved to rewrite the pathways in your brain, where it literally will reroute how you're thinking in that one, you know, microsecond, maybe minute, two minutes, twenty minutes that you get, where you still the brain. And you're not thinking about anything else. You're fully in this moment. It rewrites how you're thinking and strengthens more positive pathways in the brain, and it starts changing how you're perceiving things, how you're treating people, how you're thinking about yourself. And then, you know, two, three, four months, a year, two years later, you are so transformed just Through the simple act of meditation, it sounds ridiculous because you're just sitting here and concentrating and relaxing.、Mm-hmm. But you know, our brains are trained to just doing all that. It's what they're good at. But when we still it, you train it to become still. And when it's still, it reflects a lot easier. You can. It's like looking at a glass lake where you can. Everything becomes easier to see. Decision making. You become less impacted by strength of emotion, overpowering emotion, where you can look at it like you were saying that 
that space in between where you feel something and you react, you're able to, to see it and say, oh, I can stay calm. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be, you know, overwhelmed. I can breathe and let this moment be, mm -hmm. you know? And for the, in the case of like self-defense where let's say you're in danger, you want to get away, you want to run away. And that presence may allow you to properly handle that situation better where if you're overwhelmed, that fear, maybe you turn around and you run into a wall and you can knock yourself out. And there's so many different situations in life where calmness benefits you no matter what you're doing, mm -hmm. whether it's cooking, cleaning, martial arts, painting, dancing, music. I had a very powerful experience Saturday night. I spent fire and I, just, I was feeling very overwhelmed at, at the moment. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends came up to me and I was like, hey, do you know any breath work that we can do to like really clear ourselves out? And we sat down and we did the skull shining breath, just a really powerful clearing breath. And then afterwards we meditated and I sat there and we, we were on chairs, everybody else was fire spinning and we were just meditating. Nothing, none of the sounds, nothing. It was a very chaotic environment. It didn't affect us. We stayed calm and we were able to really focus on our meditation. And then we felt bliss. I, I almost, I, I, I cried. It was mm -hmm. so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then I got up, I grabbed my staff and without, it was just complete relaxation. I started spinning fire. And it was probably the most, the purest, rawest, also intense fire spinning I'd ever done mm -hmm. where I wasn't like trying to move the staff with my muscles. I was surrendering, letting the beat guide me. And it was beautiful, it was powerful, and it was magical. Just surrendering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's, it's, if we can get into those moments, that's, you know, that's where the true genius of any sort of artistic practice or any martial arts execution, it's, it's in its highest form when we're not thinking about doing it, we're just doing it and it's just coming through us. And I, I got obsessed with watching Lucha Libre, you know, yeah. Mexican, masked Mexican wrestlers. I was doing a, a lot of artwork around that few, some years back. And I just became fascinated by watching these guys and learning that really they just get into these flow states. You know, you imagine it's so if you've seen a Lucha Libre, it's very acrobatic. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of it's a lot of it is just using the force, really. And you imagine you're wearing this mask. You just have these little holes that you barely can see out of. And you're standing on the, you know, the top of the turnbuckle and they barely, they don't even look, you know, and then double, you know, flipping back and landing on their right. opponent. Oh. And it's just like, yeah. I just became so fascinated with that superhuman ability that they were tapping into mm. and this ability to do that. And seeing these guys that were doing it in like little little venues for no money and putting their lives on the line, mm -hmm. I was like, this whatever. It, there's something super special here mm. that I, I think is just this so cool. And I've realized a lot of them really had like a spiritual connection mm. with what they were doing, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, for especially yeah, if you think about in a situation where you're being confronted, if you're in it'll probably really throw off your, you know, your attacker in, mar in a, in a self-defense situation where if somebody comes at you 
looking to rob you and you're just looking at them completely calm you know yeah and you're like how can i help you yeah <laughs> you know like that will throw somebody off yeah and i think that's when you see the stormtroopers and then they're just you know they see the jedi and they just so their brain doesn't even know what to do with yeah. where that someone's not mirroring that that you know rage or whatever obviously you know that, that's probably not going to work on everybody but you'll at least You'll at least be able to, if you're calm in the moment, I like to think of it like as if you were playing a, like a strategy video game, that there is a way, there is a solution to the problem that you're being confronted with in every moment. But if we're agitated, angry, we hope, you know, afraid, we, we're saying this shouldn't be happening, then we're not looking for the solution. But if we're calm, I like to think that there is a solution in every single moment. Mm -hmm. And so if we stay calm and then we're like, we're, we're asking for guidance, what should I do at this point? Or I like to just chant Rama or before I could chant Rama, I would say love. So in any situation, don't know what to do. Just love, love, saying love in your mind, because there's always two choices, love or fear. Mm. And if you're saying love, and you're seeing the person in front of you who's maybe trying to rob you or whatever they're trying to do, that's a soul that's just lost its way. It's also you, mm -hmm. and that oneness kind of an idea. You don't see yourself as like, I'm being attacked. It's like, I'm looking at another soul here and just chanting love and looking at them. And then mm -hmm. maybe the, the solution will come to mind or something to say that will derail what's happening or you see an opportunity just to <laughs> put them in a, you know, a headlock or yeah. something like that, where they just get that moment or whatever it is the best thing to do in that yeah. moment. You're and open it's... to receive what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's in the sculpture I did, that lovebird is called the beast's cage. It represents the cage of your ego, the self-imposed cage of the ego. And on the back, there's each emotion that you deal with represented by each chakra. And the crown chakra I have on the back, it's attachments and faith, where we have these attachments to physical things, people, the relationships we have with people, and we get attached to them and they lead us to really bad decisions oftentimes where we're so attached, it compromises us. Where I feel like in the example you just gave, that surrender Letting go of the attachment and surrendering the faith we have in ourselves to let that solution come in and knowing that we can do the right thing, but not letting the emotion, the fear overcome us. You know, that's everything else we deal with at the other chakras, the root chakra, fear and all the other emotions that when we get to the attachment, like I don't nobody wants to die, but we prepare ourselves to die and we're ready for it so that we can handle any of these moments correctly because that fear is real you know the rejection we feel from other people is real when somebody we care about doesn't listen to us or speaks badly about us all of those feelings they, they can become very overpowering and we're, we're attached to these things and that attachment leads us to feeling these negative feelings and if we realize hey maybe they're dealing with something we don't know but we connect with the love and we we send love their way 
that that will help them and de-escalate that situation. I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. And you can even do that from a distance as a magical act that it makes a, it makes practical sense too if you think about it. Like if you're in a you're in a relationship or, or with somebody, any relationship could be work environment, a friend, a, a partner, anybody that maybe you're having a difficult relationship with, difficult period with, that what happens is normally what we do, the automatically we start to argue with them in, their, in our minds. We start to think about all the things we don't like about them. And maybe it's a good friend of ours that we really like. But all of a sudden, we're just thinking of only their terrible qualities and the things we don't like about them and what they did to us or what they said to us or what they should do. Mm-hmm. And we get caught in this loop of doing that. So, of course, when we go see them, we just pick up right where our mind left yeah, off. Just we're giving out. that energy. They reflect it back at us. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, they are just like I thought they were. But as a magical act, what you can do, and this is really hard, really simple, but it's really hard to put into practice. Uh, so you, what you do is you just, as whenever you that person comes into your mind, you just think about all of their good qualities, hmm. anything good about them. You just do it, you know? You resist the, the automatic tendency to think about the negativity and just think about anything that you can pull out that's maybe good. Oh, they're stylish. They have, you know, if it's really hard, like mm-hmm. they're into good music or whatever it is, they're a good parent or things like that. And you just keep thinking about the good things about them relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And then you think about some time they helped you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Pull up those good memories mm-hmm. that you might have with them. And then when you see them, it might immediately trans, you know, dissolve that and you have a better interaction, but they might come back at you and still you know, attack you again with words or whatever. But you just take a breath and you don't respond in the negative way again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do, and then you, when you leave, you just keep thinking about their good thoughts. And in that moment, if you can take a breath and say something nice back to somebody who's saying something rude to you, mm-hmm. it can dissolve that and you can become, it's like a magical thing. And I know when I started practicing, that, that's what happened to me. It, it almost like stirred it up and made it, <laughs> it, like it tests you. Yeah. Can you still stay calm? Can you still think of the good things about them? But it will work in a pretty quick amount of time if you practice that. I've experienced that where Mm -hmm. I feel like these things we hang on to, like, you know, the the things people do to us that we don't like that affect us, traumatize us. Like when we hang on to that, it does us zero good. And like we can learn from it. Uh, we can put ourselves in their shoes to try to understand it, to forgive them. And like the second we take that and we revert it back, we I feel like we create this karma cycle that's just never ending. We're going to push on to them, they're going to push on to us. And if we don't take responsibility to calm ourselves, to let their whatever they're feeling, they can send it to us, but we don't have to accept it. I think there was Paga Rapanche, was a Buddhist monk who said this. It was a story where there was Buddha was meditating and there was this very jealous, I don't know if it was a monk or just a person, and they started shouting at the Buddha for hours and just 
throwing hate and anger and insults. And, you know, a few hours later, this person was exhausted. And they asked the Buddha, I was like, I've been insulting you. You haven't gotten angry. You haven't responded. Why? And the Buddha said, you know, if, let's say, I have a box of oranges and I give you the box of oranges, but you don't take them. Whose oranges are they? And he was like, yours. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing with your anger. You're giving me your anger, but I'm not taking them. So mm -hmm. it's still your anger. You're keeping your anger. Mm -hmm. And the guy was exhausted by the end and the Buddha was just in bliss, happy. And then the guy apologized and realized that, you know, they're doing more disservice to themselves inside of themselves by letting that anger come out. They're reinforcing that narrow pathways. They're inflating that emotion. They're creating a stronger connection with that emotion. And it's really disservicing them. And the Buddha just didn't accept it. And if you don't accept it, it can't reach you. That energy, at least. You know, maybe mm -hmm. the physical harm might be able to if they took it that far. But you know, if someone calls me a shithead, I don't have to. Okay, well, that's your viewpoint. I'm, I'm not a shithead that I think of. And, I maintain that integrity within myself. I don't have to accept their insult. I don't have to have an emotional response. I can go on about my life and not let that affect it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's especially hard the closer somebody is to us. Mm -hmm. like some people, especially like really good friends and partners, we, we start to get to know the person and how to push their buttons, and that becomes really hard. And in those moments, that becomes critical and allowing that emotion to flow and not letting it compromise us. And feeling like we have to defend ourselves or something like that. Like, I have to defend myself against this attack, like okay. instead of the Buddha just allowing, just, you know, not receiving that. And if somebody is saying something to you that maybe it has a little truth to it and it stings even more, like, the, okay, what they're saying, you're right, I shouldn't have done that. And having the calmness to tell somebody you're right. Mm -hmm and I'll do better. And mm -hmm. like, I love that about say like Japanese martial artists, like we watch a lot of like Japanese wrestling, you know, somebody will like on say Twitter, somebody is, is critiquing the way that they did a slap or a move or something like that. And, and if it's like a, if it's a master that's saying that to them, they say like, sorry, sensei, I'll do better. <laughs> you know, like that idea of just always saying, and that's the way to, to actually dissolve your ego, too, because that's yes. what we're wanting to do. So if somebody is bringing us something and criti criticizing us and you're just saying, you know what, you're right and I'll do better next mm -hmm. time, then the ego just gets more and more dissolved and we become actually more powerful yes. as that spiritual being. And, and it's counterintuitive where we don't think that's actually going to happen where we're like, our ego wants to fight back and we want to look all mighty and but like reacting that way is just it's not going to do you any good mm -hmm. it's making you look proving right. their point you know yeah exactly <laughs> yeah right right but in the moment yeah that's what we feel like we're defending it but we're actually just proving them right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. i feel like our, our meditation really helps empower these actions and dealing with those situations correctly and like you were talking about the deities the their stories, the energies they hold, bringing them into your meditation, into certain moments can help you deal with certain situations. 
and especially the stories and really reading and learning and taking that wisdom and then applying it to certain moments we can de-escalate and, and handle situations better. And I feel like that's really the one of the lacking elements in a lot of martial arts schools where you know they'll go out there, they'll train punching and kicking, but they'll forget about the emotions, the mind, and training the depths of what really controls you into distilling that into peace and calmness. And it's, you can't overestimate the importance of it and how impactful it can be in every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it seems like such a powerful component or if you think like about, I love thinking about like astronauts, the way they select an astronaut. Of course, you have to have the mathematics and, you, and the training and the knowledge of everything, but above and beyond that, it's those who can be very calm in really difficult situations and be able to use all of the knowledge and skill that they have because once we lose our calmness all of that kind of goes out the window Mm. like in a fight you know in a ring you have a game plan you have all of the skills the knowledge the ability but then if you lose that you know you get your opponent rattles you with an insult or you know, it, then you forget all of your training. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And then it doesn't matter how much you've learned before because now you're just making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really powerful. And then we can also become a meditation. Like this weekend, I'm going to be joining an ayahuasca ceremony. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I like ayahuasca because it's a training for becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable Mm. (laughs) which is a slogan that's actually the this pro wrestler malachi black and his wife zelina my brother and i painted they have a muay thai and pro wrestling school and gym yes yeah those videos Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so we got to paint the deities inside that space and then we did plaques that are associated with the deities about the way that you can channel the power and the energy and the qualities and the lessons of those deities into your training mm. practice mm. and one of the the slogans that that tom budge and uh, malachi black had us paint was become comfortable with being uncomfortable and and ayahuasca really can help you do that because you are purposefully drinking this brew that tastes un- unlike anything you've ever had it just tastes awful and you also get a sense you get a you get an association with the brew because it also is a it's a cleansing medicine so it makes you feel deathly ill yeah you know you it it causes you to vomit and you know in most people most of the times you'll vomit maybe get diarrhea really bad but it just it's part of it is cleansing you out yeah every orifice cleansing you out right and you sit all night, stay awake all night. You're in the elements. Maybe there's mosquitoes. Probably this weekend it's going to be cold, and you stay up, you know, all the way till the morning. And you keep drinking this brew throughout the night, and you mm. got to keep going back and get another cup and sit again. And you sit with yourself, and yourself is going to bring up things that maybe you've been, you know, dusting under the rug for mm. years. And it's just confronting you with them and giving you a space to be able to face them head on and to dissolve those things. And 
So uh, I love that practice for just, and I think that really applies with any martial arts yeah. training. You know, you're, you're going through something that's super, super hard and maybe painful and challenging, but that's what we came here for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <know>? literally, yeah. <laughs> it's cool because it's hard. Yeah. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And you get so much out of doing hard things. Uh, so yeah, that's, and also meditation, as you do it more and more, you've probably noticed and like the Bhagavad Gita is a story of a battle. Mm -hmm. And as you, you become more and more sincere with meditation practice, that story of the battle scene like in the Bhagavad Gita starts to become what you're doing in your life, in your meditation, you're being confronted with these inner enemies mm -hmm. that are perhaps, and so in like the Bhagavad Gita, the idea is this, Arjuna, the great warrior, he was trained by his, you know, his teachers and his friends and his family members. They were all once his friends. And in the battle scene is when they all actually turn against him and they are fighting against Dharma. They're fighting against goodness. And he's the upholder of Dharma and goodness. And so in the story, he's confronted to have to actually take out his bow and destroy those friends, those old teachers that have turned against him. And it's just like in meditation where we become confronted with all those former guardians. Maybe when we were younger, we got, we had, we were in an abusive household and we had to like create this protective guardian that maybe made us give us a chip on our shoulder, mm -hmm. maybe made us not trust people, mm -hmm. but we did it to protect ourselves. And then as we get older, we no longer need that guardian. Meditation, those things come up. And then we feel like, I can't kill that part of me. That's who I am. That, I'm just, this is the way that I am. And it feels like you're killing yourself. Yeah. And that's why it's that ego death ego idea. Death. Yeah. yeah, you actually know. So, you know, Krishna says, no, you have to kill, you have to take out your bow and kill that yeah. <laughs> version of yourself. And that's his dharma. Mm -hmm. Like that's his life purpose yeah. is to uphold dharma. Mm -hmm. And to accept that allows you to do what needs to be done. In, in that case, if Arjuna hadn't done that, the world would be in a very different place. Like, you know, the people who betrayed him would have won. But, you know, he, he approached it from not trying to destroy something, but trying to uphold good, uphold the righteousness. And, you know, from what I've understood of the story is that, you know, he didn't go out attacking somebody. He didn't go out trying to start a war. He didn't even want to fight. He almost gave up. And then Krishna showed him that this was what he needed to do in order for things to be right. And it's sometimes hard to make those decisions, but when we surrender and let go of the demons we've created within ourselves, we can then do what's right. And sometimes that may be difficult, but it may be what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And we can only know that by surrendering to our higher selves and not being led by the constant chatter that we're always thinking, mm -hmm. because that'll lead us astray. That'll lead us to the emotions, the fear, the, the future which isn't here yeah mm -hmm. yeah and we get so attached to those things that we think that's 
that's what we are. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is my personality. Sorry, this is just the way that I am. You know, people mm -hmm. say that, but it's like, that's not true. It's just an excuse we tell ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like it is, it's so, so powerful to be able to learn that we don't have to just be a victim of our circumstances, that we actually can change and grow. And, and to realize that also everything that's happened to us in our life up to this point has been chiseling us into the perfect person to do a certain work mm -hmm. in our life. So maybe tragic things that happen to us give us the opportunity to connect with another person who's going through that. We already went through it. We're still standing. We can offer so much support and wisdom to somebody in that. So like, even if something looks bad, it's not necessarily bad. And so all of these things just help us to like go through life with gratitude mm -hmm. for even the things that we wished we you know weren't happening. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it makes it into so much more fun to, yeah. to live life that way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And going back to your point about I, or ayahuasca, I feel like helps you see those things, right? It's like almost like Ganesh where it removes that obstacle. It removes that thing that's in the way of you going in, in the right direction. And it frees up that pathway of equilibrium, of awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like the deities like, like Ganesh to be able to, they really all, it's not like I really believe that there is a, you know, four armed elephant in the sky that I'm talking to. But for thousands of years and maybe far beyond that, people have been using this symbol as a way to give form to a eternal reality that exists. And all of it, the fact that he's got an elephant head, the symbols that are in his hands, like the axe and the noose and the lotus flower, and you know, the symbol, the mudra that he's holding there. All of these things are just symbolically helping us because we're humans and we have these brains that mm -hmm. it makes it easier to have a relationship with something if it has a face and a name and a personality. Yeah. So it helps us to relate with the, the universe around us and to, when we need it, say, Ganesha is the remover of obstacles. So um, I've got this obstacle in my life that I would like to overcome. So you have a conversation with really yourself. You have a conversation with the universe and say, I would like to overcome this obstacle. I know that this obstacle is here for my benefit. And I know if I overcome it, I will become, my powers will become stronger. Mm -hmm. I won't be crushed by them. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a way to, and it's such a colorful, fun, way to experience life. Mm -hmm. I see it as just like inviting these friends mm -hmm. to be with me all the time. And really that's the nature of this world that we're in. We do have all of these allies. We're not really alone ever. We have ancestors. We have perhaps divine entities that are here with us, guiding us, giving us wisdom wanting us to succeed, wanting us to learn to be happy, wanting us to learn how to love and become more compassionate so that we can just enjoy life. Those are all around us. They say that this world that we live in 
that we're only really experiencing a small, tiny little fraction of it with our senses mm -hmm. and what actually really is here. They call it dark matter, mm -hmm. you know, 95 or whatever percent of the universe is dark matter. Yeah. So all of that dark matter that we can't necessarily see or feel or, you know, maybe we can feel it, um, we can sense it, we learn how to become sensitive to it. But those things are all there. So this just gives us a way to give it a form and a personality and a name that we can talk to yeah. and relate to. And really just a lot of fun. You're calling that vibration to help guide you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's how the guru relationship works. So I'm a, a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. And having an image of Yogananda and the masters there that... I like to think of them as graduates of the school of life <laughs> that have graduated and they know they've aced all of the tests. They have moved on to freedom, but they come back mm -hmm. just like when we graduate and we go back to our university and we give a, a lecture on what we've learned mm -hmm. and here's how I got through it. Yeah. Those masters are available to us and the spiritual path is or seeking things in life is eventually your guru will show up when you're ready to open your heart to that idea. You become spiritually adventurous enough to tune into these realities and then like a guru and to have a guru in your life, being able to just turn to that guru whenever you need advice, yeah. you're in a difficult situation and then that becomes available, which is a really beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. At Farah Academy, we believe every person has unlimited potential waiting to be unleashed. Join our academy and discover your inner power through disciplines like Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, martial arts weapons, and more. Our experienced instructors empower you with the skills, strength, and wisdom to become an unstoppable warrior. Train in a focused, inclusive environment where you'll progress quickly. Learn meditation, nutrition, and breathing techniques to develop a balanced body, mind, and spirit. Uncover your true potential and prepare for life's challenges at Farah Academy. Start your journey. Visit farahacademy.com today. Would you like to do a short meditation? Yeah, yeah, yeah we can do a meditation here with everybody. Yeah, that'd be great. Tuning in. That. Just about. Maybe we'll do about 15 minutes. I'll grab a timer just so I have a sense of the time. And so for the meditation, ideally you want to be seated with your back away from the back of the chair. If you're driving, I highly recommend pulling over and not doing this while driving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're just sitting in a chair and you can totally use a chair at home and it's really all just about getting your back in a straight line, your head parallel to the floor. And we have our, yeah, like we said, palms are upturned at the junction of the legs and the torso. And I'll begin just with a little invocation, a short prayer here to invite spirit to be with us. And so tune in here with us. Closing the eyes, lifting the gaze to the point between the eyebrows and just opening with an invocation. Divine Mother, Heavenly Father, dearest friend, beloved God, great masters of self-realization, great saints and sages of all traditions, humbly we invoke your presence and bow before you all. 
make us like you. Attune us with your consciousness and magnetize our molecules with your magnetic presence. Divine Mother, awaken your love in us and teach us to awaken that love in all. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Peace. Amen. And to begin now, let us just take in a normal deep inhalation, breathing in and all the way out. And now, double inhale and tense all the muscles in the body. Inhale. Tensing all the muscles in a low, medium, high, vibrate with willingness and exhale. Relax, release, feel. Again, inhale and tense. Low, medium, high, vibrate with willingness and exhale. Relax, release, feel. Last round, inhale and tense. And tensing all the muscles in a low, medium, high, vibrate and exhale. Relax, release, feel, just letting all of that tension dissolve. And now let's do a few rounds of measured breathing. We're going to be inhaling to a count of six, holding to a count of six, and then exhaling to a count of six. So let's go ahead and take in a normal deep inhalation, breathing in and all the way out. And now, very slowly through the nostrils, inhale, hold, exhale, inhale, hold, exhale, inhale, Hold, exhale, inhale, hold, exhale, last round, inhale, hold, Exhale. And breathing normally. Just letting the breath come and go naturally. As if it were waves on the seashore, simply coming and going. And as you breathe, begin to feel the breath in the nostrils. Noticing that on the inhalation, the breath is a bit cool. And on the exhalation, it's slightly warm. Zooming in with all of the awareness, just to feel the cool and warm sensations of the breath coming and going from the nostrils. Becoming more and more relaxed with each breath. And now let us move this sensation and the feeling of the breath up from the nostrils, up to the bridge of the nose, where the nose meets the skull. 
feel now that the cool and warm sensations of the breath are coming and going from the bridge of the nose. And as you become more and more relaxed with each breath, let us now move this sensation up again, just slightly this time, to the point between the eyebrows, the spiritual eye. Feel now that the cool and warm sensations of the breath are coming and going from the spiritual eye. And lifting our gaze up to this point so that we have a single pointed focus at the point between the eyebrows. Noticing that on the inhalation, the breath is a bit cool. And on the exhalation, slightly warm. To get this point between the eyebrows, you can imagine that you're standing on the shore of the ocean, seeing the horizon line of the ocean there. And just lift your gaze just above the horizon and keep your gaze laser focused at this point and just feeling the breath coming and going from the spiritual eye. And as you become more and more relaxed, you may notice that the breath becomes shorter, and the pauses between breaths become longer. Just simply enjoy these pauses between breaths, feeling the cool sensation on the inhale, slightly warm on the exhale. Keeping our gaze laser focused at this point between the eyebrows. Let us now call on the divine to come to aid us, knowing that the divine is always here to help and always interested in helping us to become more calm, more sweet, and more happy in our life. So with our gaze uplifted to the point between the eyebrows, let us become childlike. Yogananda tells us that one of the sweetest and simplest ways that we can approach the infinite is to become like children, enthusiastic and interested, and that we can see the divine as our divine mother, our ideal mother, 
who loves us, who cares about us, who knows us, who can feel you. So with the gaze uplifted at the point between the eyebrows with this childlike feeling in our hearts, use this mental mantra, sending it out through the point between the eyebrows, which Yogananda tells us like, is like a mental microphone or a spiritual broadcasting station. So with our gaze uplifted to the point between the eyebrows, mentally send out this mantra from that point, reveal thyself, reveal thyself, reveal thyself, reveal thyself. Begin to feel a vibration, a sensation, anything that you can feel now in your heart center. Begin to feel that vibration, that sensation growing stronger and stronger and stronger. Feel that it is now sending rippling waves of energy throughout your body. Tingling waves of well-being filling the body. A sense of relief coming over you, allowing everything to be okay just as it is, knowing that everything that comes to us in life is here not to crush us but to strengthen our powers, to help us to become the best version of ourselves. Begin to notice that this feeling in the heart center has a quality. That this feeling in the heart center has a quality of peace. A peace that passes all understanding. It's like the peace of the night sky. The peace of vast space in all directions. Yogananda tells us that God's body is space and that if we want to know God, then we should feel the infinite space within the body and the infinite space all around us. Begin to feel and imagine that there are a million miles of expanding clear space to your left. A million miles of expanding clear space to your right. A million miles of expanding clear space behind you. A million miles of clear, unobstructed, expanding space in front of you. A million miles of clear, expanding space below you and a million miles of clear, unobstructed space above you. You are floating in infinite space and you are center everywhere, circumference nowhere. Feel that infinite space all around you. So often we bottle up our consciousness in the littleness of the body and if we allow it to expand, we feel the peace of space. 
enjoying this expanded consciousness, keeping our gaze uplifted at the point between the eyebrows, savoring this feeling, knowing that we are in contact with our Divine Mother right now in this moment. Continue to send out the mantra, reveal thyself, reveal thyself right now in this moment, reveal thyself. beginning to feel that the heart center now is like a lotus bud and that lotus bud is opening its petals and turning upwards to receive the light of the sun that is pouring into its petals that light is pouring down shimmering golden light into your heart center and that light is becoming brighter and brighter and brighter and so bright that the edges of your body have blurred with the infinite space and light around you in all directions. There is only light and space now. Beginning to feel that this vibration, this sensation in the heart center is transformed. That this feeling in the heart center is becoming one of calmness. And calmness differs from peace because calmness is dynamic. That we can feel and attune with this calmness in an unpeaceful world. That we can practice feeling this calmness in our peace of meditation. And then we can learn to invoke it anytime, anywhere, and everywhere. This refuge of calmness is always with us. We learn to feel this calmness. We can feel calmness no matter what is happening in the world around us, no matter what anyone is saying to us. So that no failure, no disappointment, no misunderstanding from others can take away this calmness from us. It is our superpower, our refuge. Yogananda tells us that calmness is invincibility. And that with calmness, we can stand unshaken amidst the crash of breaking worlds. Recognize this power of calmness that we have. In recognition of this calmness, we are beginning to connect with Satchit Ananda. Consciousness, truth, bliss. Connecting with this bliss, we begin to feel this vibration, this sensation, this light growing stronger, enveloping us in this blissful feeling, this blissful quality of Satchit Ananda, which Yogananda describes as ever existing ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. And when we feel this bliss within us, this light within us, we can share and bless our loved ones and the world around us with this blissful vibration. Begin to feel a smile spreading across your heart. 
a smile spreading across your throat, a smile spreading across your mouth, and a smile spreading across your brow. And now let us share this healing light with the world around us. Begin to imagine and feel that this light has emanated out from the heart and filled the room that you're in. The light has emanated out from the room into the house or the building that you're in. This light is emanating out from the building into the streets, into the neighborhood, into the city that you're in. This light is expanding now to cover the entire the entire state or province that you're in so that all receptive hearts are feeling nourished. This light is expanding exponentially, covering the entire country, filling your country with more peace, more calmness, more wisdom, more love and bliss. This light is expanding to cover the oceans, purifying the waters, the air, and now all countries are bathed in this light. Anywhere on this planet where there are those who are suffering, where people are afraid, where people are in pain, where beings are either cold or hungry, see them being nourished by this light and see this calmness coming over them, a peace that passes all understanding, a refuge of calmness and grace. We are one with the entire universe. Uplift yourself and uplift the world. See Mother Earth now as she floats in space, wrapped in iridescent rainbow light. This rainbow light is swirling around Mother Earth and healing our planet and all of the beings on this planet. Joining together, joining our palms in front of us, let us join together with the Divine Mother and send this healing energy at the speed of light in all directions and repeating this prayer out loud after me. Divine Mother, Divine Mother, Thou art omnipresent. Thou art omnipresent. Thou art in all thy children. Thou art in all thy children. Manifest thy healing presence. Manifest thy healing presence. In all bodies. In all bodies. Minds. Minds and souls. And souls. Rubbing the palms together. Feeling this warm magnetic energy in the palms, we're going to raise our palms and chant OM together three times as we send this light out to fill the universe. Taking in a deep breath, palms up, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Peace. Amen. Joy to you, friends. Thank you for mm -hmm. that. That was beautiful. Mm. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That was very peaceful. Mm. I didn't feel like I was here for about like three minutes there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's nice with meditation is it's really okay to take breaks from your life, take breaks from all of the things that you've been struggling with, thinking about projects that you've been working on, relationships, all of it. It's so wonderful just to be able to press pause on that movie, go inward, feel those divine qualities that are always available to us as, as long as we uh, receive them. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for everyone who enjoyed that, uh, you do an online uh, meditation on Instagram on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. What's your Instagram handle? It's uh, just Pale Horse. Right? This one, uh, so that one is on Seekers of the Eternal. So okay. at Seekers of the Eternal on Instagram for the guided uh, meditations, which are about 30 minutes. And it's a little group gathering. I kind of share uh, some inspirations from my week. And then we do, yeah, about 20 minutes of this, the same meditation here. And it's a nice way to be able to also feel that you are making an impact on the world around you, psychically blessing your friends, psychically mm -hmm. blessing the areas who are in trouble around the world, that we can feel like we are one with the universe, we are connected, and we can become channels and warriors of light here on Earth. Perhaps those of us who are interested in these kind of things, mm. perhaps we took birth during this time during this shake-up period in the world's history mm -hmm. to be able to be here, to be channels for our friends, for people around the world. And I feel like that's my calling is to be able to do that and to join together with others who like mm -hmm. to do this. And so I love to share that on Instagram. And then my other, for my artwork, at Pale Horse Design, or at Pale Horse is the other Instagram for the artwork and the murals and all of that. And then I also have a link there for my Patreon account yes. for the Hanuman project, which is going to be a, you can follow along with the artwork creation process where I'm creating 77 highly detailed illustrations of the life of Hanuman that will eventually, when the project, however long it takes to complete this, will eventually become a deck of oracle cards yes. so that when you have questions in your life, you're looking for guidance, you want to connect with this ancient scripture and these ancient deities, get centered and set your intentions, shuffle the deck, pull cards, and then receive messages from your higher self. That's beautiful, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so with that, I'll be sharing um, other meditations along with that, a lot of storytelling in behind the scenes artwork creation. So that's the Patreon that's in the link tree there. And you also have a link to your website where the people can get the t-shirts and mm -hmm. bandanas and your socks, their stickers, mm -hmm. amazing artwork. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Screen prints of deities and things on there. So yeah, that's a, it's a good way if you can, like it helps to support this mission that I'm on now that I've left the client work behind and that's a big move. pursuing this, you know, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, it helps me to really put into practice all these things I'm saying that I'm working on to trust the universe, to give it all I've got and mm -hmm. to trust that there, it's going to show the way. So absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you're ever in St. Petersburg, you can go to Roots to Crown mm -hmm. on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Or Pearl Horse also leads a meditation in person. If you're ever in St. Pete, don't miss it. It is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I, we, Caroline and I always go to his meditation on Wednesdays when we're here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> and if uh, you all have any questions, leave some comments. You can, we can try to answer them on future episodes. And you know, mm -hmm. best. Yeah, also, before we go, if you want to see anything about a uh, non the village, where they can find more information on that. Yeah, that's um, if, if you like these practices, is uh, some of the things that we're talking about. My teachers, I always like to share them. So. Ananda.org is where you can find that. They have so many great free resources. They have mm -hmm. a free meditation app. You can learn Yogananda's energization exercises as well. They have uh, free courses. There's also a, a course on there, the Inner Renewal Week that they just released for free this week of uh, Master Yogis. Some of the, I would call it like the World Cup of Yogis that <laughs> show up there and teach and guided meditations and do new classes there. So ananda.org is a great place for all those meditation resources. Yeah, I took their introductory meditation course. I took it twice because the first time I got maybe to week six and then life happened. So I took it again to really absorb the material and mm -hmm. the depth of detail in the course and the difference it makes applying those details in your meditation is, I, I can't describe how important it is because, you know, you, you learn how to meditate and then you kind of end up going on your own and, and these little bad habits start creeping in and the way that they teach it it really tells you how important each one of these steps are, how you sit, how you breathe, where you put your focus, and doing them, especially how you're taught, it's like preparing everything to then launch forward. And if you don't prepare everything, you don't get to launch. Mm -hmm. So it, I think it's really beneficial course that, that really took my meditation practice to the next level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I like to think of it since it's a martial arts uh, podcast. I like to think about it as you start out with get your white belt. Even if you've been meditating, because I had been dabbling in meditation for about eight years, but I really appreciated going back to the basics, how to sit, just getting my white belt again. You know, I never got that. I never had a teacher. I was just kind of going in on my own. So, yeah, having that like scientific well practiced you know so many years that people have been practicing this and teaching it and then they also have courses where you can continue that those courses and take five five steps to it yes. where you're actually uh, you're training your nervous system to become an energy master yes. and at that point you can take discipleship with yogananda and then become initiated into kriya yoga and that yeah. takes about a, a year if you did them all back to back mm -hmm. and so yeah it's like for those who like to really have teachers yeah, and training that's the way to go yeah i just signed up for the second course oh amazing yeah. yeah i think it starts it's either started this week or it's starting next week. Very cool. Oh, very excited. Nice. Yeah. Super happy for you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we, we close out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just this has been a pleasure getting to chat with everybody here. Thank you for listening. Uh, I also have a podcast as well. If yes. you like hearing more of this stuff, I bring on artists and spiritual teachers and yeah. I do a lot of solo podcasts as well or with my partner JD as well. And so yeah, tune into that sometime if you like positive podcasts that to help uplift your day. 
Yeah, <laughs> and you can. The name of the podcast is called Seekers of the Eternal, and you can find it on Spotify. That's where I listen to it on. Is there any other mm-hmm. platforms? There? Yeah, if you go to seekersoftheeternal.com, there will be links to any of the all the platforms there awesome. to get it from. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I've been listening to it. I'm still like probably episode 14 right now. Mm-hmm. That's it's great. Nice. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Keep it up. Definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'll see you all in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Blessings, friends. Thank you for joining Victor and Andy on The Unlimited You. Make sure to visit our website, www.faraacademy.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.